question in your hearts. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on. Picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. Even those who had questioned. Even those who were doubting. Even those who were trying to test him. Amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Let's pray over the word. We're going to talk about three things out of this passage. We're going to talk about having a vision for the situation, a commitment for the situation, and having faith for this situation. So let's talk about vision. These four friends that, uh, as I was praying, said another, another accounting of this story, said that there were four men who brought their friend to Jesus. Now, Understanding that the fame of Christ had gone throughout the land, everyone knew this story of that, that Jesus was healing people. Because we see it said in his word that everywhere he went, he was healing people. People were being changed. It was, it was this visual transformation of folks. And, and so there are people that are being healed. And in this passage, we even see that, he, that it says, man, there was something special that was happening that day because there was just this spirit on him that was there for him to be able to heal that day. It says the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Now, these four friends didn't know that this particular day that that there was anything special going on. They didn't know that there was anything that, oh, there was this particular, you know, healing power going on that day because Jesus just kind of healed everywhere he went. But they had heard about this, and they had enough vision, they had enough willingness to see the situation, the condition of their friend. Question, have we become so numb to the situation of the world around us simply because it's been that way for so long that we no longer recognize it. Now people say, oh no, I recognize the condition of the world. I, I see that it is. If you saw that your neighbor's house was on fire, what would you do? Get try to get them out. What kind of stuff would you do in order to try to get them out? Anything I could. This one of those opportunities, you can talk. It's okay. You'd be beating on the door. What else would you be doing? Call the fire department. There you go. What else? Breaking windows. I'm not advocating we go knock, knock anybody's windows out. Would, would you be, how would you be knocking on the door? Would you be going, hey, hey. You'd be screaming. You'd be loud. You'd be trying to, why? You want to save them. You, you recognize and see a danger. Maybe they, don't, maybe they don't see the danger. 
I think sometimes we, even in our recognition of what's going on in the world, we've almost become numb to the spiritual condition of the world. I, I, I put a post out there this week, had a picture of a guy praying. I said, you know, I wonder if it just, has it just reached the point where we just get angry about what's going on in the world? Or does it still drive us to our knees before God because we truly have the vision of Christ Himself who was brokenhearted over the condition of the world? I can guarantee you, God's not angry. It, it, there's judgment that's going to come, and, but, but God's not, oh, I can't believe that they're doing what they're doing. God, God knows what in His, and His holiness and His justice is going to end up dealing with all of that stuff in the, at the end of time. But the reality is He so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. He sent an answer. He sent a solution. We have to have a vision, enough vision, to look around and see the condition of... Okay, if you don't want to see the condition of somebody that's not connected to you, just see the condition of people that are connected to us. See the spiritual condition of people. See that, that their life is on a path where that some of the decisions that they're making right now could very well end in them dying from even what they're doing. We have to have a willingness to see a vision. What if his friends had just gotten so numb to the fact that, hey, he was born paralyzed? We don't really know. It doesn't really tell us. A, so maybe he was born paralyzed. Maybe he'd been paralyzed since he was a little kid. Maybe it had just, they were accustomed to it. He's our buddy. We take him whenever we go. You know, we're used to, hey, somebody, you know, we, we, we've got a little pallet that we're able to pull, or we, we just, we've gotten used to it. It's kind of like, you guys know if you got aches and pains and stuff like that, eventually you don't like it, but you just expect it to be there, right? You kind of expect it to be there. Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt, doesn't mean it doesn't, but you almost get kind of accustomed to it being there. And I wonder sometimes if the pain of people around us reaches that point. But Jesus, His vision in Matthew 9, 36 he was looking out on the crowds of people. And it says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know what he was seeing? He could have looked and said, How dare these sheep get so scattered? How dare these sheep get so spread apart from the flock? Why are they not staying together? Why are they not staying over here where it's safe? Why is that one over there near the edge of the cliff? Why is that one over there near the edge of the woods where if there's wolves, they're probably somewhere over there? Why on earth are they doing that? He could have gotten the vision of those things, but instead he looked and he understood something. He looked and he said, man, they are like those that don't have a shepherd to help keep them together, to keep them as a flock and to protect and keep them safe. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. I'll tell you, the more things that are going on in our world right now, while on the one hand, they initially stir a sense of frustration and irritation in me, I, I am just praying and asking God, God, let my heart be broken because of the fact that this is what the enemy is doing to our world. Yeah. 
that these are people who, except for the saving grace of Jesus Christ, that could be me who is deceived by that, who is drawn in by that, whose sin is destroying, my life is destroying. Because remember, we see that in the New Testament where when he's given this list of people who are not going to inherit the kingdom, he said, and such were some of you. But you have been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified, you've been set free. Think about that. Even in giving that list, said some of you used to be some of that. Having vision on God's behalf requires that we sometimes stop looking in and stop looking down. And we need to look around. John chapter 4 verse 35. If you catch this little thing, he says, Do not say there are yet four months. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Catch that. He says the reason you can't see the needs around you is because you're looking down. You're looking in. You're looking at you and your issue. You're looking at you and your problem. You're looking down as if you're downcast. But if you lift up your eyes and look, you're going to see that there is a field that's white and the harvest around you. It takes a vision that sometimes is going to mean looking out looking around, lift up your eyes. Sometimes if our brother is sitting there and he is paralyzed by sin, he is paralyzed by life, he is paralyzed by what is happening, he is paralyzed by whatever it is, he will sit there paralyzed while we sit here looking at our problem. And, and Jesus is here and, and he needs our help He needs us to be the hands and feet of of God to to get Him to the presence of God, to help Him into understanding what God wants to do. But by Himself, He's almost incapacitated. He's he's struggling. God wants to use us, but we're not looking up and we're not looking around. We're just looking down and, and we're looking in. We need to have a commitment to the situation. A difficult reality is that many people do see what's going on in their friends' lives, in their families' lives, in the people around them, in the workplace, whatever it is, but they don't have the constant commitment to carrying out God's work and doing something about it. There's a lot of things that we see, guys. We see them. I uh, officiated a wedding last night for a, a family member on, on Michelle's side of the family. And Friday night, we were at the rehearsal dinner, and we were sitting with the bride's younger sister. And they've grown up in a middle-class family, um, not exposed to a lot of things, went to Jacksonville, and then went to JSU, and graduated and, and doing well, but she went into social work. And so when she was assigned for her field assignment, because she's still finishing up, and I guess she has to do this field assignment, and so they assigned her to DHR. And as we sat and listened to her talk, and she said, I didn't know. I had no idea 
And she said, I, I'm seeing stuff. It scares me a little bit about DHR, I'll be honest, but uh, because she's an intern and they send her by herself to houses to go pick up children. And, and she said, so I'm going to people's houses. And so then I get there and they've told me I'm picking up two children and there's a third child I was supposed to pick up and I didn't know. And she said, but I'm, I'm coming up on situations where there's meth involved, where there's other stuff. And she said, literally from seeing people with, with all the effects of meth, whether that's, that's to the mouth, whether that's to skin, all the stuff that it, that it does to people. And she said, I didn't know. I didn't know that this stuff was around. I mean, I heard, but now I'm going to homes and I'm seeing, I'm seeing children who actually know everything about drug abuse. They know how to do it. They know how to cook it. They know how to, and they're young. And she said, I, I just couldn't believe it. And I said, man, that's one of the challenges. I said, sometimes we see things, but we don't want to see things. We want to believe that it's in L.A. We want to believe that it's, that it's Birmingham. We want to believe that it's Atlanta. We don't want to believe it's one street over. We don't want to believe it's a few blocks away. Because if we truly have the love of God in us, and if we truly have the direction of God in our lives, once we see, once we have the vision of things that are happening in people's lives, then we're going to have to decide that we have a commitment to things that are happening in people's lives. These four guys could have looked and said, hey, for all we know, the reason that this man was paralyzed was something stupid he did. Let's be honest. They told him not to race those camels. <laughs> you think them camels can't run, you need to Google that mess. You think they can't run fast. Hey, when that thing starts, and then he takes off, it's pretty awesome watching them. It's kind of like me. Y'all think, y'all think, you know, because that camel's big, it can't move fast. I'm just storing water and stuff. But hey, we don't know, right? We don't know. That guy could have done something. And so people could have been looking. Now, you hear this. People could have been looking saying, well, your problem, you brought it on yourself. Well, come on now. I don't know if I'm going to be that worried about your issue because you did it to yourself. And in fact, you keep not doing what this person told you, and you keep not. Man, if people are sinners, what do we expect? Right. If people don't know Christ, what is it that we expect out of folks? Right. Do we expect them to not be sinners? Right. It's one of the things I think we're trying to do. We're trying to change the world to get people who don't have a relationship with Christ to start behaving as if they have a relationship with Christ. And it can't happen because that that is... We need to understand the inverse of a statement that's in the Bible. When it says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, then it means if that person, if God, if Jesus is not in you, then you don't have anything in you that is greater than what's in the world. So if we don't see... And so we sat there talking with this young lady, and I told her, I said, you know, I said, one of the things we learned in a study that we went through early on in our church was I said they, they had a phrase. They said, you need to be willing to walk through time with people. Because you're not just going to go say the right thing. 
You're not just going to go, here, I give you a piece of paper, or you need to read this one book, and boom, you know? It really doesn't happen that way with people coming to Christ. Even if in your exposure to them, you come in contact and they agree to say, I guarantee you the Bible's already clear on what the process is. There's a seed that gets planted. There's some watering that happens. There's growth and development that occurs. And then there's a harvest. That's what happens over a period of time. So you may end up showing up when the field's already white to harvest, and it may seem like it's a short process to you, but something has been happening to cause growth that has occurred in somebody's life. What if these guys had simply looked and said, man, he brought this on himself. It is what it is. I mean, if somebody in his family wants to get him to Jesus, if somebody else. But these guys made a decision. I asked myself a second question this week. I wonder sometimes whether we're more irritated by the things that people do more than we're broken over the condition of their souls. You know? It's more, how dare these people do this kind of stuff versus us going, man, the enemy is destroying their family. The enemy is destroying their job. The enemy is destroying their relationships. The enemy is destroying all of these things. And, and we're worried about how dare they be doing that sin. I don't know. I mean, what kind of sin did you do when you were in sin? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. did, did, did you lie? Did, did you take stuff? You know, oh, I never stole anything. Did you ever for one moment at work do something that wasn't work-related? You thief. Right. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, let's, you know, hey, when we all just recognize this kind of stuff, and, and such were some of us, right? Yeah. And, and we're still working on mastery on things that we dealt with that... that, that controlled us at times and now they don't have control because we're fighting and we're and and we get better and better with those things as we mature in Christ but I wonder sometimes whether when with people in our lives when people in society when whatever are we more irritated by what they're doing than we are broken before God about what is going on in their lives this is what The psalmist said at one point, he said, my friends and companions stand aloof from my plague. And my nearest kin, they stand far off. How about that? My friends and companions, they stand far away. I've got something wrong, but nobody will stand here beside me. My my nearest kin, my people that I want to count on, they're standing far off from me. They won't get near me because of what's going on. Galatians 6.2 gives a different perspective. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Y'all have seen me do that illustration. Sean and I did it one Sunday standing here. We, we did the whole thing of, hey, if I'm going to help bear his burden, I've I got to get close enough over with him where that he can shift some of that weight off onto me. And if that burden has got some mud on it, and if that burden is, is a little smelly, and if that burden, and we're speaking figuratively, guys, you know, we're speaking to what you, you know, metaphorically in your mind, if that burden's a little tough, then I'm going to have to be willing to let some of that kind of get on to me in the process of me helping bear that burden. And the only way even that I'm going to help him clean that burden up is if I'm willing to go get in contact with it. Right. And if you say, well, I, I don't want to touch that. That's all right. It's not you that lives. It's Christ that lives in you. For you've been crucified with Christ. 
And Jesus has already made the point that he was willing to come, as we heard, as we heard somebody say here. I think it was Dr. Carson said the gutter or the video he showed, the guttermost. And God was willing to reach the guttermost. Bear one another's burdens. Not stand aloof. Not stand far off. Well, I'm worried about what people say because the Bible says you're not supposed to let your good be evil spoken of. Great. You don't do it. You don't have to do the action. You don't have to go where they're doing it. You know, but you don't have to turn around and with the excuse of, well, I can't be in contact with somebody because people know bad stuff about them or whatever. My goodness, tell them God's bigger than some of that. Don't go to the place where they go. Don't go where they do the activity. But show them that somebody cares because God was willing to send His Son, Jesus Christ, who left all the glory and the splendor of heaven, came down to an earth to people that despised and rejected Him. And even while we were yet in sin, God loved us and sent His Son, Jesus. Amen. He didn't say you get cleaned up and you be good enough until I'm going to reach down to you. I'm telling you, he's plenty strong enough to deal with coming in amongst where sinners are and saying, you got a problem and I've got the answer. Bear one another's burdens. And the far extreme of that we find in John chapter 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his family. That someone laid down his life for his spouse. That, that someone laid down his life for the person that shared their jackpot winnings with them. Come on. I mean, surely it says close family. Sure, that's what they meant. How on earth could he say greater love has no one than this? That someone laid down his life for his Friends, not people that you have a blood relationship with even. Because those people ought to be even closer, shouldn't they? Really? I mean, that, that's, what, that's what we're trying to develop. But, but this is your friends. This is, this is even, so if it starts there, then it only goes more as you go higher. I mean, I don't know what else you could give besides giving your life. But if you're going to give your life for your friends, then sure enough, I mean, if there was anything else you could give, then you're going to give it for those people that are even closer to you. Look at the contrast in those commitments. One friend stands far off from the issue while the other friend lays down his life. The law stood afar off from you because all it did was it wanted to show. It showed you. It was the schoolmaster. It stood at the front of the class with the ruler ready to slap you on the hand and tell you what was wrong. But one friend laid down his life. The law stood over here and just pointed out the problem, but Jesus came, the friend of sinners. Jesus came and laid down his life, even when we had no interest. He even hangs on a cross and looks at those who have helped crucify him and says, Father, forgive them because they don't even know what they're doing. They're just part of the plan. They're part of the problem. They don't even understand. Because he said that, hey, if, if, if they had known who, who Jesus was, that they wouldn't have crucified him. He says, they don't know what they're, what they're doing. But there's some people that, you know, they find out it's one thing to see the issue. It's one thing to have some commitment and stick by somebody. But it's quite another issue to have faith that God can do something about it. Because let's be honest, a lot of times what happens with people and with friends, and sometimes it's why you have the friends that you have, 
Well, it's you know. Sometimes the reason you have the friends that you have is because they see the issue. They willing to stick with you through the issue, but ain't none of them got any faith that God will do something about the issue. So you hang out together commiserating about the problem. <laughs> right? You know? Because sometimes if you're struggling to have faith that God's going to move in somebody's life, you don't really want to have people around you who are saying, hey, we need to have faith that God's going to do something. Yeah. Dude, you are getting on my nerve. <laughs> I want you to recognize something in this Luke chapter 5. Because I'm not talking. I'm going I'm to go ahead and tell you right now. I'm going to burst the bubble if, it's, if I need to. I'm not talking to people that are going through the issue. We're talking to the four friends. When Jesus saw their faith, the four friends, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, your sins are forgiven you. It's a unique situation because here it is the faith of the friends that draws the attention of Jesus. It wasn't the man. We don't know if the man was so incapacitated by this paralyzation that he didn't even, we don't know if he had any faith. I mean, we just know that it says that when Jesus saw the friend's faith, that he looked to the man and said, your sins are forgiven to you. And then, I mean, the guy sits here. He can't move. He couldn't get to Jesus on his own. We don't know the limit of the, of the paralyzation and, and what effect. Could he talk? Could he just blink? We don't even know. But we do know is he couldn't get there on his own. He couldn't get there by himself. And these four friends had heard about this man Jesus. These four friends had heard that Jesus did amazing things in people's lives. These four friends said, we have no clue of any other thing that's ever going to impact our friend's life. Nobody else can do anything about it. Doctors have looked. They don't have any solutions. But we've heard about this man. And they didn't show up necessarily out of desperation because it says when he saw their faith, they showed up saying, we believe that this guy can do something about our friend." See, I wonder, I wonder sometimes. Ooh, this stuff's not in my notes. I, I wonder sometimes. When you invite people to church, you're not bringing them to church. You, you happen to bring them to Jesus. Because this church can't do anything for somebody. Without Jesus, there's not anything that we can do. Without Jesus, with the old song, we're, we're a ship without a sail. We're like one that doesn't have a rudder. We, we can't accomplish it. Oh, but people can do. They can give. They can do. Man, that ain't going to change your eternity. Right. It'll change your life in the, in the moment. But the greatest thing that anyone can do is affect someone's life for eternity through the power of Jesus Christ, through getting people to Jesus. Right. I told some of these guys yesterday morning we were working. I said, oh, I said, almost... God almost changed what I was going to preach. Cause we were at the, the, the wedding practice Friday night. Is out at, they call it the Michael. I was like, what is the Michael? It's, it's that farm out on Chocolaga. 
you're going out there and they were having this wedding. Yeah, man, I mean, it's crazy big and I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And, but there's a cross down there in this field and that's where they were having, going to have the wedding. And there was a deer that came out in the field during the wedding practice. You know, he's out in the field. It was awesome. But we're at the wedding practice and there's this beautiful, I got this, I got this great picture of it because the sun sets that direction and and there's this cross, and they had these beautiful lilies on it and stuff. I mean, it was just... And the wedding uh, planner, she was trying to get everybody ready, and she said, okay, I need everybody's attention. Everybody, and she said, because we were up at the stable, which is away from the field, and she said, all right, what I need is I need everybody to go to the cross. I said, oh, praise God, I could preach, I could preach that right there. My goodness. I was like, I'm, bad. I, I'm not going to be able to do this wedding. I'm fixing, to, I'm fixing to have to start. I need everybody to go to the cross. I said, hallelujah. Woo. Preach that wedding planner. I said, boy, I, I said, I could preach that right there at my church Sunday morning. He said, hmm, okay. I said, yeah, everybody needs to go to the cross. Go to the foot of, I said, that's where we're all heading, and I'm fixing to go down there and stand and be welcoming all of y'all. Come to the cross. He said, okay. <laughs> the faith, the faith of these friends, they understood if we can get them, him to a particular place, really it was to a person. So you're not trying to get people to the cross. That's where he died. You're not even trying to get them to a tomb because it's empty. You're just trying to get them to Jesus because he's been to all of those places. He's already, he's already come and been in amongst where the sin was. He's already come and been in amongst where the sinners were and, and was able to tell people, hey, don't worry about her crying on my feet and drying my feet with her hair because it, that, that a woman was so moved by what Jesus had done that her tears just flowed and began to wash his feet. And she, well, He said, don't worry about any of that stuff. I can deal with all of that. And don't worry about the cross. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I'm, going to, I'm in the garden. I'm going to ask my father if there's any way for this cut to pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And I know it's your will, so I'm going. And he went to the cross. And then he said, it's finished. And the work was done. And then they put him in the grave. And three days later, the, 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 the stone gets rolled away. And he comes out with the keys of death, hell, in the grave. But he didn't stay there. He went and showed himself to the people. And he said, but don't touch me because I haven't received my glorified body. But then he said, I'm going to ascend. And they saw him as he ascended up into heaven where he ever stands at the right hand of the Father making intercession on our behalf. We don't need to get people to the cross. That's why I didn't end up preaching that. Because we didn't need to get people to the cross. We don't need to. That needs to be one of the stops. That, if we're on the spiritual tour here, you need to understand it. We need to swing by and you need to see and know what happened. You need to know that those stripes were for your healing. You need to know he was bruised for your iniquities. He was wounded. All this stuff that caused it. But he's not there. He's not on that cross. And we can't take him to the tomb because he's not there either. We just need to get people to Jesus. And these four friends said, we understand that we need to get them to this guy. And when he saw their faith, Here's a problem with faith, though. Have you set up boundaries that keep you from putting yourself out there for others? Boundaries that keep you from getting your feelings hurt? 
Because, hey, you know what? Maybe sometimes when you go and start trying to help somebody get to Jesus, sometimes they don't want to go. Now, you can't kidnap them, you know. You can't, like, put a bag over their head and get them, you know. But it's going to take some effort. And sometimes you're going to have to be, can you imagine the four friends? They had to tote him from somewhere. These four friends, they lock in and go, I'm willing to help carry my friend who cannot carry themselves to where they need to be. I'm willing to help bear the dead weight of someone who really is not even able to make an effort to get to Jesus. Sometimes we've got to ask ourselves, are, are you more concerned with yourself than with your friend? Or maybe it's just that your three best friends aren't that committed and they're lacking in faith and they're not going to help you take your fifth friend anywhere. Maybe you need some new friends. I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just, you got, if you can't right here in your mind right now, if you couldn't say, hey, if I had someone in my life that needed to get to Jesus, I could rattle off three friends that have enough faith and have enough commitment that if I called them up and said, we need to get my friend over here to Jesus, that they go, hey, I'll be there in a minute. Amen. Then you need to get you three more closer friends. But we really got to ask when it comes to faith, is it possible that you don't really believe that God can do something in that person's life? No, I, don't know. I know that God can do. Yeah, but you really don't expect that God's going to. Do we really have faith in God believing that He loves those around us and that He wants to change their lives and their situations? Or, or maybe... Because God does not operate within our time frame, does our faith falter? Because we believe God can do something, if it doesn't happen quickly, then maybe He isn't going to do something. Where are you? Where are you? See, I don't, I don't, a lot of you, I know your friends here, but a lot of you, I don't, I don't know your friends from outside of here. I don't know your friends that maybe don't have an ability to get to Jesus. Maybe most of these other people don't know your friends. Because you've got connections of people that aren't connected to the rest of us. Whether it's work, whether it's places that you shop all the time near your home, or it's your neighbor that you have a connection to. Where are you? Where are you in that sequence? Do you know whether your neighbors are saved or not? Do you know whether your neighbors have a relationship with God? We were talking last night. Um, Rachel and Caleb and I were sitting in the truck, and Rachel's dad was on his way over to pick her up from the wedding. And We were talking about that. Man, just going to church doesn't mean that people are right with God. Right. Just going to church doesn't... I mean, that's, anybody can walk in the doors of the church. So you can't even look around and go, oh, well, everybody that's here in church, it must be, they must have, everything must be doing okay, or they got, an, they got plenty enough faith on their own, you know. Man, sometimes we, we are even starting right here, looking around and saying, hey, do I have somebody that some area of their life, they're, they're, they're affected by, and I got to help, I got to help them. I got to help them get to Jesus in there. That's why I'm their friend. That's one of the reasons God has put me in their life. Is to be one. I'm going to grab a corner of the sheet 
I'm going to say, hey, bro, I'll help carry you. For all we know, this man wanted to get to Jesus. But can you imagine the frustration of that you want to get there, but limitation in your life is, is affecting you and you just need some help? And the amazing thing is, God will come and meet you. But sometimes people don't even, especially when they don't, yet have a relationship with Christ. I believe there's no way that God could ever come meet me with all that's wrong in my life. There's no way that God could ever come and I've done too many bad things. I've done, messed too much stuff up. I've had stops and starts and fits of do better and all this. God is never going to come and meet me where I am. And sometimes I just need somebody and say, hey, I promise you God wants to meet you. Sometimes it's going to be in a church service where maybe a, a friend is going to have to grab somebody's hand and say, hey, I know that God's been dealing with your heart about giving your life to Christ. Man, we need to go down here and pray. I've, I've seen times where one person simply going into an altar just open to service because people just feel, I can't, I can't do that, I can't. But then when somebody else did, yep. okay, I, 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 I can do that. And that thing that had them paralyzed, somebody else breaks the chains. Are you willing? Are you willing to carry a friend to Jesus? Push through the surrounding issues. He said when they saw the crowd of people. You can't just say, well, you know, hey, let's, let's, uh, we're we're going to go to Jesus. Oh well, there's some there's some obstacles. I guess we got to go home. We'll come back a different day. It's no no no. We need to try. And then they figured out we can't push our way through. Are you willing to break through the obstacles? They got up on the roof. They were willing to endure. Now the reality is, then somebody's going to go. What are you doing to my roof? Yeah. Right? <laughs> somebody's going to be fixing my roof. Are you the kind of friend that you're willing to say, hey, if it's time to get you to Jesus, if it's time for me to be invested in your life and help you get what you need from God himself, then I'll push through those surrounding issues. I'll help you break through the obstacles and then I'll support the weight of you. I'll get all up on you. Sometimes if that brother's, it, it shifts from being that you're going to bear his burden till he just can't stand anymore. I can't I always, always think of, of Moses trying to hold his hands up. They were fighting a battle, and as long as Moses' hands were up, they were winning the battle. God was moving through that symbolism. And, and then when he would, as he began to grow tired in his hands, and they began to lose the fight. And so they sent two to come alongside and they held his hands up. What kind of friend are you? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to help people get to Jesus?